Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. We're going to get ready to enter into Sunday school class, and we got to, uh, I, th- I say every, every week is a, a special treat, right? No matter who it is, as long as they're in the Word of God, as long as they're uh, using the, the, the Bible and they're being uh, steadfast in truth. Uh, but today we have Brother Harrison is going to be coming, and he's going to be teaching our adult Sunday school class. So why don't we bow our heads together? Let's pray over uh, the class today that The word as it goes forth, we would receive it with gladness. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you again for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for Brother Harrison. And uh, we ask, Lord, as you use him today to speak to us from the word. God, we receive the word of God today with gladness of heart. In the name of Jesus, God, as you anoint the word as it goes forth, anoint us as we receive it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, live in hope. How are you guys doing? You guys had fun last night? Yeah, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. You know, my brother-in-law, uh, he's uh, only been here for about a few months, or maybe half a year, but that's all he kept talking about. So definitely appreciate everyone's uh, hospitality and, you know, show them a good time. Definitely, definitely. We're very grateful of it. Another thing I'm grateful for is the leadership that we have here with the uh, pastor, first lady, and leadership team. They truly believe in people, and that's evidence about people being used. Uh, sometimes you may see some pastors be not as secure, allowing folks to lead, but I'm confident that Pastor Satan is definitely secure in allowing folks to be used uh, for the kingdom's sake. I give honor to my amazing and beautiful wife. Uh, yeah, ever since she's taken on the, the last name, of Harrison, uh, she's made everything better. I uh, continue to make it make it better. And one of those things is, uh, hey Scott, I appreciate that. Oh boy, I love it. This is gonna be a good lesson. Everyone, everyone's uh, light, light harder right now. But one of those things is the uh, addition. And I like to announce that, uh, yeah, we're expecting a little girl here. Yeah, so she's 13 weeks pregnant. I told her, I was like, hey, look, babe, excuse me, my wife, be respectful. Uh, you can't hide this. I mean, you can't be sitting in the back during service, sipping on Canada Dry. Everyone's looking at you like, hey, what? you got something special here that you can just go in the back and you don't have to be in service just sipping on, you know, some uh, ginger ale, you know, trying to decrease your, your, your nausea, which has been all day. I wouldn't say that, but Yeah. But if you have your Bibles, you don't mind turning to uh, Mark uh, chapter 5, verse 24. It's a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture, definitely a familiar story. Uh, A little disclaimer, uh, the week leading up to today, it was already forecasting to be extremely busy. So being proactive, ended up putting 85, 90% of the lesson together uh, the week before. And after hearing Bishop's amazing message on Wednesday, 
I got kind of nervous. I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, this, this is literally a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. So I walked up to him like halfway jokingly. I was like, hey, I'm about to change my notes around because people are going to think I'm just, you know, obviously plagiarizing. Is that, is that a real thing? But the more I thought about it, the same the week got busier. He was like, nope, you're not changing this. So Mark 24, I'm sorry, Mark 5 and 24, and I'll be reading from uh, New King James Version. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, everyone say, she heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Uh, verse 30, and she was immediately knowing in, knowing in himself that, I'm sorry, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. And turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see this multitude around you? And you're asking who touched you? I always think of this being Peter with like a New York accent, you know, kind of sarcastically like, hey, man, do you really think who, who touched you? You're in the middle of a crowd. Of course, everyone's touching you. But, yeah, today I like to talk about uh, inspiring someone else's miracle. You may be seated. Uh, this woman is the only woman in the gospel who is called daughter, and she was afflicted with a chronic uh, issue of blood, as we just read. The condition made her life outside kind of impossible, uh, for especially a woman in that culture, especially being Jewish. For the woman had a discharge of blood for many, if a woman had a discharge of blood for, for any course of time, uh, she would deem it as unclean, according to Levitic, Leviticus 15, 25, verse 15, 25, verse 27. I'm back that Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25 through 27. This meant that she was not permitted to enter in the temple uh, for Jewish religions. According to the law, anything, anyone around her, would, if you touch her, she would, they would become unclean as well. That means that she had to remain home. Anyone who had been around her or even touched her seat, they would even be become considered to be unclean. And I don't think she probably got the invitation to the family cookout, to the family gatherings, because no one wanted to deal with the issue that they too would be clean, unclean. To go even further, if she had a husband or anything of that nature, the moment that he touched her, he would be deemed unclean. Meaning that she would have to live in a period of isolation for those 12 years. People talking at her from a distance kind of draws us, you know, Back to the pandemic where we were living in isolation for, for months or maybe years in some cases. But this woman lived this way for 12 years. Can you imagine that? Living in your house, talking to folks from a distance, no fellowship, not much relationship, and that will be your life. And, of course, you're going to try to do whatever it takes. Isolation is a very dangerous place. Now, in the military, we had some of the, I say we because I'm no longer in it, we had some pretty tight restrictions because of the pandemic, because of the posture that we had for defending the nation. But by the time June 2020 hit, the military already surpassed its yearly suicide rate because it's not good for man to be alone. Halfway through the year, we already surpassed the yearly suicide rate because of the, the isolation that people had to deal with. 
on top of being away from home, on top of being, you know, not in the point of origin of where you grew up at. Uh, we say a few months was a hard time, but I, like I said earlier, we, we can't imagine. I mean, can you imagine this? You know, you've seen everyone else have fun, and you're not having fun. I kind of liken it, not making fun of California, but, man, they have some pretty pretty tight restrictions. And you're living it, watching on uh, Facebook, social media, whatever, you know, source that you have, and you look at everyone in Florida having a great time. You would do whatever it took, and most folks did, move to Florida. For the fact I can't take living in isolation because of the fact isolation is a dangerous place. You know, sure, at that time, there, were, there, was, there was stuff that she could do to try to cure her, her issue. And one of those things being the Talmud, which is a Hebrew term, which means studying. It was a compilation of ancient teachings regarded as sacred by the Jews. And the Talmud had about 15 potential cures for that, her condition. Now, I kind of jokingly said this, like, oh, we have a doctor. You walk to a doctor's office, they're like, hey, we have 15 cures, but each cure you got to pay for. That sounds like a scam to me, you know. <laughs> I mean, every time I go in, I got to pay for it, and it's not 100% probability of me of, you know, getting, getting better. And that's what she did, constantly going back. Hey, I got, hey, let's try issue number five, or condition number five. Oh, that didn't work. All right, I'll bring some more money back in. Let's try uh, number six. Oh, that didn't work. And that's what the Bible had recorded, that she exhausted all her financial resources just to get better. And we do this stuff in the natural as well. Going through this pattern of trying to get better, of trying to get better. Anyone else had any medical conditions you're trying to seek after God for, and you're constantly going through it, and you're constantly going through it, and it seemed like a setup is a setback. And I kind of chuckled when I looked at this story, looking forward a little bit, seeing what, you know, I, a topic that I'll be teaching on was this one, because this was referenced quite a bit in our household for many years. See, Chris and I, we, we met in the Air Force because we both flew. Chris's job was caring for patients in flight, moving them from hostile location to less hostile location to someplace in Europe, later going to the United States, like Walter Reed or something like that, for, you know, people who were injured in combat. And Chris's last year of her, her term, she ended up being deployed to Afghanistan for six months. And not that long into the deployment, She's involved in the plane crash, where I say crash, and then people are probably thinking like flames and stuff of that nature. But it was a crash where when the pilot had touched down, the aircraft's weight was extremely heavy, uh, the high altitude landing, and his speed was well past for that type of environment, and he lose control of the aircraft. And he only had minutes to escape when the aircraft came to a stop because the engines were damaged and ended up igniting and catching the fuel bladders on fire. And there was only one exit for her to get out after being tossed around after the, uh, the hard impact. And she said she was just literally dropping patients from the top of the aircraft because some of them were not ambulatory. But she would end up finishing the deployment. Man, her whole and her whole entire crew finished that deployment. But they had a lot of injuries that they dealt with that was internal. And one of those issues with her was, uh, you know, her back obviously deteriorated. Like every one year, it seems like she would deteriorate six years between L4, L4, L5, and L5 and S1. Those discs would just deteriorate. Let's try injections. Let's try epidural. Let's try radiofrequency ablation, which is nothing more burning your nerve endings. I had that in my neck. That is not fun. 
let's try this, let's try that. And each year, it seems like she got worse and worse and worse until we, in March 2020, we're living in Japan. And on the 25th of that month, I'm doing my routine before I go to work, try to kiss my wife goodbye, be a good husband, you know. Hopefully I come back. <laughs> and then she just loses the ability to walk, collapse on the floor. And from that moment on, she'll be bound for the wheel, in a wheelchair for months. And this is why we arrived here, because Japan at the time didn't have the way to care for her. And we were in the middle of a pandemic. So everyone was like, hey, we don't want to deal with this problem. Get out of Japan and let the U.S. try to figure, to figure this out. And we're back to the pattern again. Let's try this. Let's put this device in your back that numbs the pain. Let's do another thing and another thing and one thing after another. It was, it was like a, set, a, a setback after setback. But I think the breaking moment for me was during that time, Colton was a year and a half, and she couldn't even hold her son, consoling, couldn't console him while he was upset. And I was like, God, what, what's going on here? And this story was constantly referenced over and over again, believing. Now I'm very grateful we did find a neurosurgeon that done something beyond any other doctor would have, would have thought. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But we as a family, are still believing that she can be made whole because just like this woman, we heard about Jesus. From cover to cover, miracle after miracle, altar after altar, service after serving, lives were changed, lives were transformed, people were delivered, people delivered from alcohol, people walk in who may appear to be drunk, but they don't walk out and they're not drunk as ye suppose because they've been changed by the power of God. But I think some of the greatest, some of the challenges that we have when we read stories, we already know the results. We read it, and we get results in minutes. And if we're not careful, we'll get that same mindset. We go through situation, and we're going to get results in minutes for the fact that we read it in such a small duration of time. And it's hard for us. But you think about it. She went from current location to pressing the crowd meaning she touched everyone in there, knowing what the law had said, bumping into everyone, including Jesus, which he would be deemed unclean. Despite people getting in the way of her miracles, she was not determined, deterred, but determined. And she did not care what people looked at her. She didn't care what the environment, but she knew that in time that she would be healed. She saw the tassels hanging from Jesus' robe, and with all faith and all the strength that she could muster, she reached out and touched, not him, not him, just to him. Because she knew if I could just get close enough to him that I can be made whole, that my life can be changed. What was made wrong, what was wrong was it made, immediately made right. And it was quite difficult to get close to Jesus. Because every time I read it, there was a crowd. And you had, you had to press, you had to try to get that close to Jesus. And, and some people believe that because of the difficulty of getting that close to Jesus, it seems like the lower she got, I mean, the closer she got, the lower she had to get. I know some of you guys are maybe super spiritual, but they had this thing called like a mosh pit. It's like a crowd of people. I mean, we have it up here in the altar. We just call it something different. <laughs> but it's like that. It's like a whole group of people, and, I, and, you're, and they're all in the way, shoulder to shoulder, getting in the way. But if I could just sneak my way through so the, the closer I get, the lower I got. I don't care what people 
I look like in this environment, as long as I can just get from here to there, I know my life can be changed. But the thing about it, she, she didn't see the end of the story. So meaning that when she was in the current state, she didn't know that touching will lead to that. But it, it was something she hoped for. And the evidence that we see and read in the story was activated by her faith. Now we look in Luke, Luke chapter 8 records the same account what Mark had recorded. But Luke, and five, Luke 5 and 15 it says, Yet the news spread about him all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. What does that mean? Jesus didn't go door knocking. He didn't go around like, hey, can I interest you in the sign or wonder? Huh? Can I tell you about me? No, he didn't. Rather, people told people about Jesus, which means that there's a crowd because they're like, hey, if you go see him, you too can be changed and transformed. Which gets to my next topic is about the attitude of inspiration. And she wasn't the only one that received the miracle. As a matter of fact, she interrupted someone's miracle. Mark 5 and 21, it says that, Now when Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus, by name, we can call him Pastor Jairus. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Verse 23, and he begged him earnestly, saying, My daughter lies to the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, and she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude, we're getting back to our verse opening scripture, followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman that was reading, yeah, had an issue for blood for 12 years. So basically, he walks, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm full of hope. I got Jesus. I am walking with him hand in hand. We're going to my house. He's going to heal my daughter. And then I don't know if you guys are like any football fans or anything. I'll say football watchers because fans is fanatic, and I hope you guys are not a fanatic of it. But anyways, it would be like a pick six. She grabs Jesus and took it to the house, as we said. <laughs> She's like, I got him. Touchdown. I'm healed. I'm made whole. How challenging is that to watch someone else get healed? When you're on your way for healing and a blessing. That is, that's, a, that's a challenging thing. I, I look at his attitude. I'm like, wow. I don't, I don't know if I would have the same attitude to watch someone else get healed. But it, it, gets, it gets better. Wait, there's more. Uh, 5 and 23 of Mark, it says, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what, he had, had, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Everyone say whole truth. Now, someone once told me that men and women talk differently. Some of us don't get no details. Some of us gives a lot of details. <laughs> well, I'm having fun with this. So when he says, when Mark records this, that she told the whole truth, meaning they were going to be a while. Now, if I was Jairus, I would probably have been like, don't worry, Jesus. I'll wait. She's telling everything. She's talking about her aunt and her uncle, cousins, sisters, brothers, how she wanted to see them, how she's been talking to the doctor, trying to do about 15 different, you know, procedures. And he's like, man, man, I mean, she's at the point of death. I mean, we're going to be here for a little bit. Okay, well, I guess uh, we'll see you, Jesus. 
That's why I'm still talking. But no, he waits. Anyone fly around here? I know you guys fly. You have three airports. Yeah, what, DCA, Dulles, BWI. Yeah, D I don't, don't go to Dulles. That place is suspect. <laughs> but everyone ever wonder when, when a pilot is flying around, they're flying through the weather, or they're flying through clouds and all this, like, how does the pilot see? Anyone ever wonder that? Sitting in the back, looking out the window, you're like, how is this guy seeing? He doesn't have any special glasses or special goggles. He or she doesn't see. What he's relying on is, one, coordination with an air traffic controller, the instrumentation that he has here, and a thing called an approach plate, which gives you procedures for uh, set airfield. And it tells you about, like, descending and your lateral deviation, all those other things, not to get too nerdy. So what he doesn't see, he, or he relies on instrumentation. So if you ever look into a, uh, a cockpit, if you're wondering, there's one gauge that sits in the middle, and sometimes it's the biggest in some aircrafts. And it's called the ADI. And ADI stands for Attitude Indicator. It's in the center for a reason. And literally, when flying in the environment where a pilot cannot see, it has to be referenced continually. I'm talking about continually. You look at one gauge, you look at this gauge, look at the other. So most pilot courses, they teach a hub and spoke model. You know, Matthew can back me up because he's going through pilot training as well, or not as well, because has gone through pilot training. A hub and spoke model. The hub being the ADI and the spokes being your other gauges. So when I make a turn in direction in an environment that I can't see, we some of us been there before, I'm going back to attitude. I'm looking, okay, am I sinking? Nope. Go back to VV, I'll go back to my attitude. How's my airspeed? Go back to attitude. How's my altitude? Go back to attitude. Constantly. I'm always referencing my attitude in the environment that I cannot see. Because that right there is so critical. I flew for 14 years in the Air Force, and we always did these random training events every six months, every quarterly, and we always did mishaps. We always look at things of that nature, just kind of, you know, if you see things that happen, it kind of helps you be a better crew member, call out stuff. That way you don't wind up like the videos. And most of these things would be, like, mind-blowing. Like, people not referencing their attitude would be flying upside down because you don't have your five senses when you're flying, and you can't see. You lost a sense. So your body lies to you. Lack of reference to the attitude, flying upside down. Exceeding a bank angle of almost 90 degrees, which most aircraft would just kind of slice down to the ground. And one, which blows my mind, was an H-60. They ended up crashing the same night that, that I was flying. And they were flying backwards at one point. Foolishness. But every single one of those accidents that we, we saw, everyone died. If your attitude is not referenced in an environment you can't see, you'll kill yourself, and you'll drag down to everybody with you. It is so vital. I don't see it, but I trust him. I don't know if this environment, I've never been here before, but I trust him. His ways are better than my ways. Like Proverbs says, I don't lean upon my own understanding, but all my ways I will acknowledge him. Let's circle back to Jairus, Pastor Jairus, as we can call him, because he was, a, he was a synagogue leader. He was elected ruler, responsible for worship, responsible for running the schools, and caring for the building. And at that time, many synagogue leaders had close ties to Pharisees, a.k.a. 
the haters of Jesus. Haters going to hate. Can't change that. That's life. But what was the first thing that he did when he saw Jesus? In front of the crowd. Don't care. I don't care. And, and, he, and he speaks and he acknowledges him in that, in that, same, in that, in that same manner. I give reverence to you. Man, what an attitude. I don't care what the haters say. I don't care what people say. I don't care what the crowd says. I'm going to pursue him. And, and the next thing, I think, I think it'll probably be the breaking point for me, is watch this lady just take it all. Just, just take it all. But he didn't, didn't say a word. Not, not, he, he could have called her out. He easily could have called a synagogue leader. You don't mean to tell me he doesn't know the law? Like the back of his hand? He could have been like every other Pharisee. Oh, teacher, what does the law say? Does not the law say that she is unclean and you are unclean? Like, get out of here, dude. Get out of here, man. You did not see this woman's been changed. Her life's been, she's been delivered. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Mark 5, 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, or as we say, Pastor Jairus. Your daughter is dead. Bro, that would have been shocking right there for me. Shocking to hear that. Why bother the teacher anymore? Verse 36, overhearing what they had said, Jesus says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. You know, I've, I've overlooked this verse several times, but it, it, didn't, it didn't rise until I became a father. Because we have kids, and they have that face pattern when they overhear something or they see something, and you recognize the changing face pattern, the eye look, the change in posture, and what's the first thing you do? Hey, it's going to be all right. Because we have a little bit of life experience knowing that current state does not equal future state. Jesus, being the everlasting father, don't worry, offers the best words of encouragement. Just believe, because he knows what the results is if you just believe in him. The environment got completely worse. And Jesus, hey, I got this. I got this. It's easy. Have you not seen everything else I did? I got this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but like I said, Jairus, he didn't say a word in the entire process. He was just patient with progress. And the results of that, receiving a miracle. If you continue reading the story, though Jesus commanded the parents not to say a word, you think that stopped other people? Jairus was a synagogue leader, meaning the community knew him. There were folks in that room that laughed at Jesus when he walked in there to heal them, and he pushed everybody out, get out of here. You don't think they're like, oh, this girl's normal. She's upright. Like, yeah, the worst, it, it spread even more and continued to spread. Both this Jairus and this woman didn't care what they looked like or how they had to get there. They had a made-up mind. I'm going to pursue after him. But you know why? Because people. Oh, man, the attitude of delivery. 
how, 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 how compelling it was for Jairus to hear it from another person, which compelled him to get from point A to point B. The same pattern that compelled the woman of issue of blood that she didn't even care that she was breaking the law and what the penalty was going to be with that. How, how compelling that person told her she went from where she was to where he was. And that story continues. I'm repeating it because it continues. Uh, Acts 5 and 12. And the apostle performed many signs and wonders among the people. I'm reading from the NIV, so maybe a little bit different from yours. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's porch. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord Jesus and were added to the number. As a result, people brought in the sick into the streets, laid them on the beds and the mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall. Don't say will. All that for a might? Bro, that's a compelling story. Some of them might fall as they pass them by. Crowds gathered. Crowds gathered, also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirit. Everyone say, and all, all of them were healed. On the outside, this, man, if you, if you just read the story on the internet or wherever you may, may read it from, it looks foolish on the outside. Can you imagine? You're like, your kid, your kid is dying, and you're laying your kid out in the street so pastor's shadow might fall, not will, but might fall to be healed. Wow, that, that's a compelling story for someone to believe that much, that much inspiration to do with that so they can be healed and be changed. When people told people the attitude delivery about the apostles, like I said, it was so compelling they didn't care what they looked like. They knew with confidence that they would be changed and transformed. People could have called this witchcraft. They could have scoffed at it like many of the Pharisees and Sadducees did. But the proclaimers, some of the word for preacher, inspired the crowd to receive their miracle. And I know we say we don't see miracles nowadays. It's not the same in the days of old. I'm like, have you not seen service? Baptism of the Holy Ghost? Is that not a miracle in itself? When people's lives are changed and transformed, delivered, healed, restored, made new. You got to look at the little things to see the big things. Because if you miss the Holy Ghost, you'll miss the rest. We can't ignore this free gift. When we look to 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration. Now, most of the New Testament is translated from Greek, maybe a little bit Aramaic in some, some areas. But the word, word inspiration translates to God breathe. You read in NIV, I'm not championing NIV, but some translations like that will keep it in its original context of God breathe. When I think of God breathe, it takes me all the way back to creation, Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. Well, we got to stop right there because if you read the and, and is the addition. Let's stop before God adds to this, to this equation. We look at Adam, what is he? Lifeless. We, we all share some commonality with, with Adam. Before God intervenes and breathes in our life, we too were lifeless beings before God showed up and breathed. And Adam became a living being. But yes, as we continue to read this story in the next chapter, humanity has failed or humanity had, had fallen. But one day, God will restore humanity. 
And that day it was on Pentecost. Well, actually, the, ba- the death and the resurrection and the, bar- the death, burial, and resurrection. And also we see the outfilling of the Holy Ghost. Let me correct myself. Oh, the Holy Ghost. And we see that on the day of Pentecost. A group of 120, 120 people had a made-up mind to wait until, until, and they created an atmosphere that resulted in making a sound from heaven. And that, and that small 120 created a crowd which led to 3,000 people being filled with the Holy Ghost, being changed by that. That, that increase is 2,400% in one day. Man, let me get that in my portfolio one day. Boy, let me tell you. That in itself should be a miracle. One day increase of 2,400%. That's mind-blowing. But it was because people who were inspired to bring forth God's change. Church, we can't shortchange the new birth experience. Yes, it too is a miracle. Lives are changed and transformed. And when someone repents of their sins or baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking in other tongues. Galatians 3, uh, 27, it says that, For as many of you are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or, or female, for you are all one in Christ. Anyone watch sports? Yeah, guys, you know, hold up the jerseys. And they're all like, rep, rep your city. Rep your city, because that's what they're wearing. But here we are. We're baptized into Christ. We put on Christ. We're repping more than the city. We're repping a kingdom. A kingdom that will not fall. A kingdom that says that we win. A kingdom that will bring change into everyone's life if they take part of it. Another one, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, it doesn't say he may be. They say he should be, is, is a new creature. That's a miracle. Life changed in, in, a, in a moment. I know many of you have stories to tell of folks changed life in, a, in one instance because of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And I know many of you have probably crushed statistics under my voice when you went through the same pattern, repentance. Burial, resurrection, which is nothing more than in filling with the Holy Ghost. Completely annihilating what society said that what you were going to be based upon your current demographic or point of origin that you grew up in. And as we look back, it, I don't know about you, my, my mind is blown. <laughs> blown what, what God has delivered me from. It doesn't even make sense at, at some times. And when we look in John 7 and 38... With very, very familiar uh, passage of scripture. He said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living, living, living. That's the key word. Not, not, not something that's been contained, not stale water, but living water. But this, he was talking about the spirit which had not been given because Christ had not been glorified. And that basically was done in Acts 1. But in Acts 2, we actually see the outpouring, the flowing of the river of the spirit. Meaning it is not meant to be contained, but it's meant to be spread and continually to spread because stale water, it doesn't smell good. But living water is fresh. It's reviving. It brings transformation and change. And today, folks, we, 
most, I'll say all of us in here, I, I don't know everyone personally, but we all have opportunity to inspire someone's miracle of the new birth experience. Every last one of us have opportunity. Every last one of us has a story. Every last one of us has a testimony to share. I know Revela- Revelations, it says that, that they overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of, of their testimony. That, that verse, I, I call it a loop. Like in programming, you can make commands loop. If I put this microphone to the speaker, it creates a feedback loop. It's going to constantly, wherever it puts out, it's going to continue going back and back. When the blood is applied in your life, you, you will get a testimony because you will be changed. You will be delivered. But the pursuit, obviously, is that what keeps you and retains you. And as I'm uh, coming to a close, the landing gear is uh, extended and flaps are 50%, and we're coming in on the five-mile final. You guys can all stand. <laughs> I got to keep in aviation, you know. I, got, I try my best, too. Now, I'm very, very, very grateful of my wife, you know, pointing me to Christ and pointing me to a, to a good church. But, but what retained me was people. What got me to an altar was people. Like, I don't find it by happenstance that everyone I was hanging out with were all prodigals who came back and were on fire. I mean, on fire and still on fire. One guy, would he would quote scripture in paragraph forms. I mean, he was just, he was good. He was really good. But he, he would tell stories to me about when he was in the world. He said, you wouldn't recognize me as who I was. And his struggles that he would struggle with were the exact same struggles that I was struggling with. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But he said, my, my, my life was changed because in the middle of a service, I didn't care what others thought. He said, I went down to an altar week. Two steps, right? In the middle of, of Pastor Kenzie preaching, he, he walks down to here, and he said he doesn't remember leaving. So when it came time, when I felt that same exact tug, I, I pursued. His inspiration inspired my inspiration of God breathing in my life. His miracle inspired my miracle. And that's, that's the thing that we have. As born-again believers, we have opportunity to continue to spread because God has done so much. You just got to look at it. You just got to look back. How much he's delivered you from, how much he's changed you, how many breakthroughs. I mean, if you tell that to one person, I mean, people are struggling with so many different things. You look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, those three characteristics will probably solve 90% of the world's problem, just three, and we're not even done the rest of the verse. But the big thing is we, we got we to gotta speak. We got, we got to tell folks about this. You know, I don't know scripture. You have a story. You're, like Paul said, living epistles. Tell your story. Inspire others to be changed. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know. He dropped some things there. I, I will be preaching a message titled, All That for a Mite. Y'all catch that? He just dropped it and kept going. I was like, hold on. You dropped something back there. All that for a mite. All that trouble they went through for something that wasn't even guaranteed. But because they went through all of that for a mite, all of them were healed. Amen? Amen. And uh, the, the attitude today. Am, am I right, aviators? I did not go through flight class or flight school or anything. I, I tell people I was in the Air Force and they were like, what did you fly? 
flew an air conditioner. <laughs> it's not really inspiring. I try to skip over that. But I, 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 the attitude is really not about how close you are to the ground. It's, 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 um, it's not about the storm that you're in. It's about the relationship. How is your nose pointed, correct? Like, are you, are you going up? Are you going down? You know, that's, everybody know that's bad when you're flying an airplane. That, that's bad. Amen. And, and when you're going through the storm, you've got you to keep your head up. When you're going through things, you got to, the attitude, our attitudes have got, it doesn't mean we won't go through things. It doesn't mean you're going to go through difficult times, but, but we got to keep our heads up. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. My help comes from the Lord. So I want us to join together. I want us to pray today that God would help us. Lord, I want to have a right attitude. Lord, I want to be positioned for the miracle. Even though it looks like somebody stole my miracle, it looked like uh, I was on the way to getting my miracle, and here comes somebody with an issue, and it seems like they took all the attention, and they got the miracle that was meant for me. And Lord, that's a test of my attitude. What, what am I gonna, how am I going to respond to what just seemingly I just lost my miracle and somebody else got it? What am I going to do when life takes a turn I wasn't expecting? How am I going to respond Lord, even when things in the kingdom aren't going the way that I thought they were going to go, what is my response? Because it's my response, God, that's going to position me for the miracle that is coming. And so, Lord, I pray that even as Jesus said to Jairus, come on, fear not, just believe. I pray today, God, let our faith be that you know the end from the beginning, that even though it looks like right now, Lord, my child is dead. It looks like the miracle is gone. It looks like there's no way through. Everybody else is celebrating because somebody else got their miracle and somebody else got their breakthrough. But I'm mourning right now, Lord, because it looks like I've lost everything. But God, I'm going to keep my attitude right because I know you know the end from the beginning. And I'm just going to draw close to you, Lord. And I'm going to believe in you. And I'm going to trust in you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everybody said amen. 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 How do you know that attitude is an inward thing? Right? I'm, I'm not talking about airplanes. I'm talking about us. How do you know my mom used to say, you need to fix your attitude? Anybody else? Any other parents? I, and I say that to my children now. You need to get your attitude right. You need to go adjust your attitude. My dad say, you need to adjust your attitude or I'm going I'm to fix it for you. <laughs> I, did, I was like, how does that work? I don't know. But he, he showed me plenty of times how that works. I was like, how can you tell about my attitude? You can't tell my attitude because attitude has external. Amen. It, it, the attitude manifests itself externally. How do you know that the, one of the best ways you could tell somebody's attitude is right here? Right here, right? right the, the face, our facial expressions are, you can tell when somebody's struggling, right? They're, the face is how we, our body language is another way that we, well, that's not spiritual at all. It is. Because what's going on on the inside is going to manifest itself on the outside. But fixing this, without fixing this, is just trying to touch a symptom. We need God to fix this so this can get right. Amen? How does that tie into what Brother Harrison was talking to us today is how do we reach others? How are we going to influence our world when we look like we just ate a sour grape? How are you going to tell somebody else God is good when your attitude and your, your body language is that God isn't good? Right? I mean, why would somebody want to get a hold of what we got a hold of? Amen. Eat, eat this, and you got that look on your face like whatever you just tasted is disgusting. They're not going to want to try that. They, they've got to see it on us. They need to see. Amen. Peter said, look on me. 
right? He said to the, 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 the lame man by the gate, look on us, amen? And that's what we need to be able to say to our world. In the middle of the storm, look at me, amen? Look at me, look at my, look at my expressions. Look at the way I'm carrying myself. It's because God has done something in my life, but there's gotta be an outward expression that demonstrates what's going on the inside, amen? So today, today even, God fixed my attitude. Amen, I don't need dad to do it for me today. I know God, fix my attitude out of your mercy, Lord. I know there's two different ways you can fix the attitude. You can do it in judgment or you can do it in mercy. How many of you want God to be merciful today? Lord, fix our attitude today so that our world can look on us and see that this is the best way to live. It's the only way to live. It's the only way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. So tell your neighbor, ask your neighbor, can people look at you? Can people... Some of you didn't want to ask that person because you already know the answer. I don't know if I want to ask them. Can people look at you? All right, if people look at you, what are they going to get? What are they going to see? Are they going to be led to Jesus? All right. Some of you want to skip. You don't, you don't like the application part. I, but we're just going to hang out here for a minute because this matters. Amen. We represent Jesus Christ. Amen, Larry. I love you, Larry. I'm, I'm thankful for Larry. Thankful for what God's doing in his life. Amen. I, I know enough about Larry. I'm not going to do like the preacher said where the woman told it all. I'm not going to tell it all right now. But I know that Larry's been through some storms. Larry's been through some things over the last 10, 15 years. But I'm proud of Larry because I look at him now and I see the attitude is right. Amen. The, 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 ex, the external, I, I know that the attitude is right. And so I'm confident that when Larry's out there in the community, I'm confident wherever he goes, people are looking at him and they're getting hope just by watching him walk. They're, wa- they're getting hope just by watching him navigate life. Is he perfect? No. 99.9%. All right? Amen. And I'm not going to try to re-preach what Brother Harrison just did such a fabulous job. Why don't we give Brother Harrison a hand clap? Amen. Let him know. appreciation. Thank you, Brother Harrison. Amen. We've got a couple of minutes here. Greet one another. We'll get ready for... Uh, to enter into worship service in just a moment. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.